Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and I'm so excited to be here with you today and honored that you have joined us. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. We bring in industry experts, authors, thought leaders who will not only inspire, but also give you tangible strategies that you can implement right now. And today's expert is Jennifer Alembeck. Now, Jennifer is a food addiction coach, and she has been inspired, and this has been her life's work through her own personal struggle with food. She sought treatment at 21, but sadly it was ineffective. And finally, at age 45, she learned that she had a severe addiction to sugar and flour. And that just led her down a rabbit hole that took her a while to get out of. Now she speaks and writes and coaches other people who are struggling with this. And you'll absolutely love our conversation today. So rise up for you. Enjoy this episode as we welcome Jennifer Alembeck. Well, hello and welcome, Jenny, to a podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're so excited to have you here on Rise Up For You, and we always love to start our conversations with you know, who you are, what you do, and the journey that got you here today. Oh, it was a long journey, <laughs> but I'm a born and bred New York girl and grew up in an upper middle class home, and on the outside, everything looked beautiful. And on the inside, there was a little chaos going on. Mm. And I, my parents split when I was like four or five. And I found food early. I mean, I was, you know, searching the bread boxes, climbing in the cabinets, looking for, I love the sweet stuff. And it, (laughs) it just progressed from there. And I became very self-conscious of my body at an early age. Well, I would, I, would, I would say that was normal now, like seven, eight years old, very self-conscious of my body, always comparing myself to the other girls. Didn't love being in a bathing suit, that kind of stuff. And fast forward to high school, I started my first diet in 10th grade. And that started the cycle. I lost weight. It lasted three minutes. And I started eating again and then went, went to the weight that I started and gained even more. I was quite chubby in high school, very chubby. And, and I, was, I needed the food. Like I was always on the hunt for the food, um, not knowing anything was wrong. I just liked food. I didn't know. I wished I could just be a regular eater. Like I could watch the other girls and they would, could take it or leave it, or they could have a few bites and not be okay. Where secretly I wanted the whole cake, not just a piece. Mm-hmm. And, um, went off to college, started to just, you know, this is a progressive illness and weight and my weight issue and how I felt in my body was just getting worse. And I was obsessive with it. You know, it was like all I thought about. And I will never forget, I'm going to tell you a story. This was in my senior year of college. 
I went through the cap, the cafeteria in the student center. They had the Sundowner Cafe, it was called. And they sold these little brownie bars. But I tell you, it was like crack cocaine in a square for me. <laughs> I literally, like a drug addict, went into the bathroom, shoved that thing in my mouth. And, you know, this, this wave of like, oh, I could relax. And it was going to get me through to my class. And to my next, it it was the fix I needed to get to the next meal or the next bite that I was going to have. I was really addicted to food, but again, not really aware of what was going on. Um, Wasn't highly educated. Nobody was talking about food addiction at the time. It was, you know, maybe we knew a little bit about eating disorders, anorexia and bulimia, and I didn't throw up and I certainly never missed a meal. So those weren't my things. Mm. Um, Got graduated college, and when I came out, I was quite large. And my stepmother said to me, "Why don't you go to treatment? Why don't you go into treatment?" So I said, "Okay," because they they watched me struggle and diet and up and down like a yo-yo, and just really could never ever stay down. So I wound up in, um, that's how I got to Florida. I wound up in an eating disorder treatment center and it was wonderful. And I think I got a good education. The problem with that facility and their philosophy was, you know, it was portion control and they acknowledged that we should get off sugar. They did not take into the fact flour. And that was a problem for me because I'm a quantity eater, because I'm a food addict. It's not just a half a bagel I'm going to eat. I want three bagels. So when you put all that flour into your system, it metabolizes into sugar anyway. So again, treatment was great, but it didn't fix the situation or help me with the problem. Um, But it did, um, did offer awareness. I got a lot of awareness. Mm -hmm. So honestly, decades went by where I'm still struggling with my weight. I've been on every diet. I put shots in my stomach. I've done the Weight Watchers, taken off every jewelry, hair accessory (laughs) to get on the scale and be as light as I could. And, um, you know, I just did everything and I was miserable. I think that's the key when you know that It just was ruling my life and making my life miserable. It was interfering with my joy, my happiness. My whole life revolved around the size that I was and how self-conscious. And towards the end, it was, you know, when am I going to get it? How am I going to get it? When am I eating it? Just like a drug addict. Just, Mm. you know, when am I going to score? And my epiphany happened on my 45th birthday. You know, that's a time where you evaluate and you know where am I at this stage of my life and I was miserable I was in an unhappy marriage and I was 200 pounds and I didn't know where to go or what to do I just knew that I could not continue any longer this way and I I was on a mad search to find an answer for me and I knew that my happiness started with me getting my food under control that I had to get my food under control. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt like. And I wasn't looking for a diet or a quick fix. I needed to stop the insanity. And at this point, the mental obsession was exhausting. 
it was just exhausting. So I came across this um, program where I learned that I had an addiction to sugar and flour, that those two products were actually addictive and that when I take them in my body, it sets up a mental obsession followed by a physical um, need, you know, a physical craving that I just had to fill. So this was big news to me because I had never heard that. And I was pissed because do you know how many doctors I went to? I have asthma and I suffer terribly. And no doctor ever said, you know, sugar might be causing this. And I say that because once I got off sugar and flour, my asthma improved tremendously mm -hmm. just from getting off those two products. So I go on this journey to learn how to eat and completely had to change my mindset, my how I view food, how I prepare food, how I how I live. Complete it was a complete overhaul, but I was so miserable that I was willing to do anything. Mm -hmm. Just to and and honestly at 45, I thought, you know what? I want one, one opportunity in this lifetime to know what it feels like to be thin. I wanted to know what it felt like to be in a thin body. I had never experienced that. I never, even on all the diets that I had gotten to, I never got down to my goal weight. I would be, I would suffice at a comfortable, like, oh, I'm good at this spot right mm -hmm. here. But it was never my goal weight. It was where I was comfortable enough to where I thought maybe I could still eat and maintain. That's never, ever happened. So um, I th this has been a journey, and it's been over five years now where I do not eat sugar and flour any form. And I eat three meals a day, weighed meals a day. Because food addiction is not so much... And, and I want to make this point clear. It has nothing to do with the size of the person. It has to do with your mental obsession about food and your obsession with weight and your ability to control your portion. Because there's a lot of people that like quantity. They might be thin, but they eat pounds of just vegetables or quantity to get that full feeling. Right. Right. Absolutely. Wow. That is just um, an amazing story. And, and, uh, and you're not alone. I know I, I've heard these stories and I've lived some of it myself as a former bodybuilder and competitive athlete and going on these crazy diets and then getting off the diet and being like, now it was an all or nothing mentality, which I still struggle with sometimes. So I, I totally feel that. And a, a lot of things came up in your conversation. You might've answered this already, but uh, for our audience, when do you, would you consider it an, an addiction, which you said it when it interferes with your life, I think you answered that as opposed to just a habit. It's a habit that I eat my donut in the morning. It's a habit that I come home and have my jigger or whiskey at night. It's a habit, you know? So again, is it more of it how it's interfering with your life and become that mental obsession? And well, it's really how you feel about it. If you have a habit of having a donut every morning, but you're okay with it, and it doesn't ruin your day, then enjoy your donut. Right. You know, right. absolutely. If you know, I know my dad had a friend. He used to drink every night, but 
it was his habit and it didn't interfere with his life and he didn't care and it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are women that are very addicted to the scale. Let's just mention that too. Okay. Very addicted to the scale. And that scale, they get on every morning and that number will dictate their mood for the rest of the day. Right. And okay. how they treat themselves with food. I'm starving myself today. The, the scale said this. They, this is what they think mentally. That's not a healthy state. Right. And, you know, I see it all over Instagram because, of, of course, I'm on social media. And it's sad to me. These young girls, um, young women, their whole life is revolving around how many steps they took, how many calories they ate, posting pictures of their food, you know, saying, I fell off today. I'm going to get back on tomorrow. And mm. this, it, it, it consumes their whole day. Yeah. That's not a healthy place. But I will say it's unfortunate that we live in such a culture that we do have a major food and diet industry. We are bombarded every day. So people lose um, a reality of what is normal. Like everybody diets. Everybody's starting a new diet on Monday. Right. And it has, but, to, be, it has to be Monday. <laughs> right. It has to be Monday. <laughs> But it's really, how does it make you feel? Mm. It's okay if you want to be a serial dieter, if that works for you. But if yeah. you're miserable in your body and in your mind and you just can't stand it, then there's a different way. Right, right. And then the thing is, it's funny. It's, it, I mean, our beliefs trump everything, right? What we believe about the food, what we believe about our body. what we, it's, So if we're living in perpetual stress around all of that, that's worse for the body than if you had the donut, you know, if you had the cupcake, if you, you know, when, when you're eating in this guilt and shame, right. Instead of enjoying it in the moment, that does more harm oftentimes. I agree. I agree yeah. with you. But unfortunately we live in this such a food society. Yeah. We no longer have meal times. Every time is a good time to celebrate. You can eat at any hour of the day. Right. And we do use food to de-stress. We do use it as a treat and as a reward. And like I said, again, that's okay if it's okay for you, Yeah. you know, but if you feel guilty every time you put food in your mouth and you beat yourself up mentally, you know, verbally, you have real negative self-talk about that. You shouldn't have eaten that donut and you can't just enjoy it. Then maybe you should think twice about having it. But then by that point, you know, even I think most human beings, have a baseline addiction to sugar and flour only because it's in everything. Right, so if right. we took it out of your diet, you're going to, you're going to go through a little withdrawal. Does not make you a food addict. Let's make right. that clear. Right. Well, good. I'm, but, glad, um, I'm glad you made that distinction because some people, uh, this word addiction is thrown around a lot now, right? Where we're all addicted to something, right? You know, where is a, Yeah. What is a true, like you said, mental, physical addiction. It works together, mind and body. And what is, is, maybe just a little overeating or, um, you know, not, I don't know, you know, that was just what I wanted to clarify and distinct, you know, have that distinction around that. So I, I like that you said that, that it's, it's what works for you and what works for your best friend may not work for you. Right. Well, this is the hard thing too. We have a lot of well-meaning dietitians and nutritionists and you know everybody's into health everybody's into the neuroscience and the biochemistry and you hear words like the gut lining and we're, we're getting a lot of stuff and vocabulary thrown at us right now 
which is wonderful. We're learning a lot. But um, I lost my train of thought here. Well, it's confusing, right? I think it's really confusing for people. And, and they, they don't trust their own intuition, you know, like going in and, and really asking themselves, okay, am, am I eating out of hunger? Or am I eating out of boredom? Am I, you know, eating out of habit? Am I, you know, so it's like not listening to the signals of our body. We've lost that trust, I think. Yeah, well, it's hard. Um, sorry, I got distracted. There is the problem with our society is, especially with food, there's this notion that moderation is okay. Mm -hmm. And this is where people really trip up. They'll go on a diet, they're doing great. And then they decide to treat themselves and reward themselves. And then they find themselves, the weight is back and they couldn't get back on the diet because they couldn't get back into it. Mm -hmm. Moderation or food addicts does not work because it's our drug. You would never hear a drug counselor or an alcoholic mm. counselor say to somebody, you know what, on Sundays you can have a little scotch and water or, you know, you could go and have a little line of heroin or something, <laughs> right, right. but just get back on on Monday. You'll be fine. Right. You know, that doesn't work. And for some reason with the food, that's like, you can't say, you cannot tell people they, they have to restrict. That sets them up for the binges and this whole story. And it's BS. It's not true. And there is a physical component to this addiction. It's not just your perception of food. There's a physical, you know, it, the, when we ingest sugar and flour, it lights up the same area of the brain that cocaine does. Yeah. And there's plenty of evidence of that right now biologically right um, all the science is there to prove that so we're fighting a real thing absolutely absolutely no, and no, that's no. why obesity is on the rise so we have a, a, a obesity as outrageous in this country it is now considered a pandemic mm -hmm. and why is this because we're addicted to food as a society right and right. now you know, it, it's it's hitting the children, and, it, and it's a real problem. And I have heard diabetics say, I just heard an interview, a documentary came out on diabetes, and they're calling it the Black Plague. And the woman was trying to help her mother get well from the diabetes. They were about to amputate her legs. And she said, I know I'm not walking out of here, and I'm not willing to give up my candy bars and change my quality of life. And that is so true for many. They don't think of themselves as food addicts. They think, well, I'm just diabetic and I'm obese and it runs in my family. We're all heavy. Right. This is the way it is. And they have a pill. Mm -hmm. I can take a pill for my diabetes, type 2. We're talking. We're not talking type 1. We're talking type 2. So, yeah. you yeah. know, and the food industry is now creating food, bioengineering the food, to be addictive, they they use all this data to say what do they like, they, what what feels good in their mouth, what does get them to want more and more and more. Yeah, absolutely, it, 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 it makes sense, right? Because it's it's all about the bottom line. Follow the dollar, right? So if we right. can get people addicted to our Fruit Loops, if we can get people, you know, addicted to this way of eating, then we're going to sell more product. So it and then you know, the medical company is there to give us the pills and, and Big Pharma. 
Yeah, it's just like this crazy, you know, I hate to say conspiracy, but <laughs> it feels like it sometimes, right? That everybody's you're working to help everybody else, but you know, meanwhile, the public is suffering because they're they don't know what to do. They're getting so much information, you know, paleo, keto, carbs are good, carbs are bad, fat, now it's this, now it's that, right, over the years that they just try to throw their hands up sometimes. Like, I'm just going to eat what I want and not even whatever. And then you've got, you know, again, the a lot of gray in the middle of the spectrum of the, the crazy dieter and then the person that just doesn't care. So it's, it's finding that middle ground of, again, I think back to trusting yourself a little bit and not wearing the scale. And I love that you said that about the scale because – this, I used to tell my clients, the scale measures everything, you know, and we're going to fluctuate five pounds in water just day to day. Why do you think you weigh less in the morning than you do at night? You know, so there's so much there with the scale that, that yes, it's a measurement tool, but I think you need to use it with a grain of salt and be careful that it doesn't spin you out of control when that number is not what you like. Well, I think you raised a lot of good points. We have the Pharmacy industry, the food industry, the diet industry, the medical industry, making billions and billions of dollars mm. off the American people and their, their diet and their weight. I mean, it's such a culture. And I think I agree with you. We are so bombarded. We don't even know anymore what to eat, how to eat. So that's what I do with my clients. But I'll tell you, the big pushback is we live in a society where we no longer eat three meals. We know long, we, we want everything fast and quick, mm -hmm. grab and go. It's already pre-packaged for us. And that's what we like. Most people don't, I mean, if you ask the average American, like how many times do they go out to dinner? It's way more than they stay home and eat meals. So one of the things when I get a client is they've got to reprogram. You've got to learn to cook mm. and prep mm -hmm. and make your food. And take responsibility for what's going in your mouth. That's part of the problem. You know, a lot of, you know, people think, well, if I eat healthy, I don't have to cook it, but I'll just go out and have, I'll get a grilled chicken. Right. You know, let me tell you, I've watched them grill a piece of chicken on the grill. The pounds of oil that they use to grill that baby is not the optimum choice. So... Right. You know, there's a lot of reprogramming that mm -hmm. has to go on, and a, and it takes a client who's willing to really change their lifestyle, get get healthy mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big change. I wish I had a magic wand. I wish I had a quick fix. But this is the thing: you have to take personal responsibility. You cannot rely on the doctor to give you a pill. You can't rely on the the, the company that's going to deliver the food to your house that they're going to make healthy, mm. that sits in people's refrigerators. They don't eat it. I've right. worked, you know, I've, I've been around too long and I've worked with too many people, talked to too many people. Yeah. You know, yeah. unfortunately, you've got to get to a place. If you're really going to make the change, you've got to be done living the lifestyle you are and you're ready for a change. Right. I, right. I, I totally agree. And I, I, I agree with the... Um, the eating out because we never would cook with as much sugar, salt, oils, butter that they do in restaurants, nor would we cook the portion sizes, right? Exactly. So when that comes to our plate, we're like, Oh, you know, I used to tell clients too, 
just put half in a box and take it home. Put half in the box. <laughs> like, don't even, don't ask for bread at the table. Don't, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's, yeah. But it's, it's really hard for an addict yeah. to put half aside. Right. They don't want to. Right. You know, it's not easy to cut away when you know that that was an eight ounce steak and you're supposed to only have four ounces. Right. Or you get a big potato the size of a football. You don't want to give away <laughs> the other half, you know? I mean, I, these are things I've experienced, you know? So I eat yeah. home a lot. I rarely go out to eat because it's a, it's difficult for me to yeah. cut away. So yeah. I go to restaurants where I know I could get the best choices and the cleanest food mm-hmm. and you know, do the best I can, but I don't challenge myself and I don't put myself in that situation because I wouldn't be able to do this on a daily basis if I constantly put myself in an environment that was so challenging all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. An alcoholic's not going to go sit at the bar and drink water. You know, it's why, you know, set yourself up for success, right? As much as you can. And, um, and the personal responsibility, I love that. I mean, that goes along with so many things that we talk about on the podcast because it starts with you. It starts right. with you putting the stake in the ground, the line in the sand and saying, okay, no more do I want to live like this. How do I get a grip? Because we can't give up food. You know, we can give up alcohol and tobacco and all these other things, but, and then food has become such a number for people and such a, you know, because it does calm the central nervous system down. It does, you know, and the more you eat, you feel that calming, even though you're, you're, you're eating beyond being full, obviously, you know, so uh, again, uh, along the addiction spectrum of, with food, there's a lot of, you know, there's a wide spectrum of where it's at. Um, Absolutely. Um, can you share a little bit just in closing how, um, like, where, what would be a couple strategies that someone may be listening that's, you know, is recognizing a little bit of themselves in your story and feeling like, oh, you know, maybe this is deeper than just a habit to reach for that particular sweet thing. You know, maybe there is something physiologically going on I need to think about um what what would you what would be a couple things that you could share that would would help them right now um you know pay attention to what you know how food is making you feel when you go for the donut or the treat you know what are you thinking about what are you hoping that that is going to give you I mean a lot of housewives a lot of you know, anybody comes home at the end of the day, they can't wait for the kids to go home so they can sit on the couch and numb out. But we do that without even thinking about what are we really doing. So take some days, you know, give yourself a, um, a couple of days and, and really pay attention. I, I always suggest to people, start writing down your food. A lot of people are not even aware of how much they Mind, mindlessly eat, not mindfully, but mindlessly. They pop a pop a. They walk past the break room and they pop a little Dunkin' Donut in their mouth, or you know, a bite of this and a bite there, and they don't. They don't realize. You know, I've had so many people say, "I don't understand how I'm this heavy." Like I, they don't understand, and it's because it just happens so mindlessly. And so that's a good tip: write your food down. And see, just do it for a couple days and see what's going on. I always hated that because I didn't want to be faced with and I didn't want to be honest about what I was really eating. So if you find that too, that's a good indicator. Um, Tools for how you would know. Basically, you know, do you jump out of bed in the morning? Like I dreaded getting dressed in the morning. Because when I looked in the mirror, I knew I wasn't going to be 5'11 and a size 2. You know, that's not what was being reflected back to me. So 
you know, it's really how you're feeling. That's what I talk about. I mean, just because you're overweight and just because you eat a little, if that doesn't consume you and you're not obsessed, then then you are not a food addict, I don't think, right? The the spectrum is far and wide. So it's a personal decision. I can't diagnose somebody unless they're really obvious. But um, another tip that I love to give is don't eat past 7 p.m. Don't eat past 7 p.m. And there's a couple of reasons why. One, you want to be able to, when you'll sleep better, number one, because your body will have time to digest and your body will have time at night to heal. So you'll sleep better. You'll also wake up if you have a good 12, 14 hour night's sleep, right? You'll wake up feeling less full and yucky. Like I was in, I would binge at night crazy so I would pass out from like the sugar coma and you know you just go to bed and you wake up feeling like caca so you really have to be present to how you're feeling and what you're putting in your mouth to kind of make the connection and connect the dots you know have you been dieting and going up and down and up and down your whole life well ask yourself why why doesn't this diet work why why are you unable to sustain the weight that you would like to sustain what's Mm -hmm. going on for you and you might realize that wow when i i like a sweet or when i i'm good on a diet the minute i get off you're back to the races if that's the case you probably might have an issue but a lot of people don't like they don't like the word addict for sure they don't Mm -hmm. want to be considered that so just consider you might have a physical allergy that is setting it up in your physical body to want more. Mm -hmm. So if you find that you're putting sugar and flour substances in your body and it makes you crave more and you want more and you see that you can't sustain a weight that you would like, that's something to take a look at. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great point about the, because so much is, is, unconscious the more present you can be in the moment before you're you know reaching for the food or reaching for the second helping or you know whatever the case may be the more that you can ask yourself the questions and get curious yeah and do you get pissed if somebody takes your food away do you get pissed when you don't have good options do you get annoyed at people who want to eat your food (laughs) Uh, you know but these are addict behaviors you know, you don't mess with an addict's food, right? You wouldn't mess with their drugs. You don't mess with their food. <laughs> right. uh, you know, there's certain behaviors that are very common to mm. an addict. Yeah. Wow. This was a great conversation. And I know there's a lot of people out there dealing with this now. And um, you gave some great, great insight. And thank you so much for the generosity of sharing your story. Because it's sometimes, you know, tough to share those experiences. So I really, really appreciate that. I think that really helped a lot of people. And uh, we always like to kind of wrap up with a couple questions uh, to share with our audience. So the first one is, um, has there been any book that's had a massive impact or really, you know, really has affected you in a great way that you want to share with our audience? Yeah. Um, Just about 20 years ago, I came across a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And it's a fable written by Robin Sharma that blew me away. And it was the first time that I put that book down and I was just like blown away because it was, it gave me the insight that 
I had power over my thoughts, mm-hmm. that I could become aware of my thoughts and control my thoughts. And I thought, what? How is that possible? And I, it just, it was a, such a new concept for me. And then I'll remember, I'll tell you a quick story. I was putting um, the dishes, I was loading the dishwasher one night and I was slamming those dishes in there and I caught myself and I said, what? why am I slamming the dishes? And then I realized that I was pissed at my husband and I was yelling at him in my head. And I, I connected the dots that what I'm thinking affects my feelings, which affects my behavior, which affects my action. And it was just mind-boggling. And I remember thinking when I finished that book how unbelievably exhausting it must be to be present at every moment in time of what we're thinking, which affects how I'm feeling. It was just so, so big to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've come a long way in 20 years where I am extremely present to my mindset. And, And if I'm not, Usually my, my mood will tell me something's going on with me. If I'm not present to like, oh, I'm pissed right now. Right. If I see attitude slip or I'm um, short or something, um, I, can t- I, I always go back to what are you thinking, Jenny? What's going on in your brain that's causing you this behavior? Mm, that's so, terrific. That's great book. It's that's a fable. Book. It's really easy to read. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for that. How about one quote that you live by? You know, I don't have a quote that I live by, but a saying, and it's focus on the possibilities. Mm. That's something that I do all the time, and I do with my clients all the time, because we're very, you know, we have, we get an idea in our head, and we have a vision for the way we want it to work out, which is our way. And if it just happened A, B, and C way, it'd be perfect. <laughs> but the reality is, is that the universe brings forth hundreds of possibilities for every scenario. And I love that. And it lightens things up and it opens up all these boxes in the brain because it's there's not just one way to get anywhere, right? There's right. thousands of possibilities. Like Oprah could literally knock on your door right now. It's a possibility, probably not, but it is possible. There's so many, and that gets me so excited when I think about all the possibilities that I'm not even aware of and things that are happening in the universe that are just all for my higher good gets me excited. So focus on all the possibilities. Love that. That's awesome. Okay, so if you could leave the world, and maybe it's what you just said, but if you could leave the world with one... um, golden nugget like what would be your golden nugget that you want to leave the world with uh that's such a hard good (laughs) question don't take it so seriously Mm. i think that's what i've had to i've learned in my my span here is lighten up and don't hold grudges don't stay mad at people let things go we're all doing our best We're all doing the best that we can and we take things so personally. I'm a very sensitive person and and I know that, you know, my feelings will get hurt easily, but I always, that wasn't their motive. Their motive isn't to hurt me. So just let things go. Just, you know, wear life like a loose garment, you know, Mm. just let it go. Don't hold on so tight and don't be so rigid with, you know, we are, we have things the way we think people should behave. 
and what they should say and what's appropriate behavior and what's not. And we have all these little guidelines and it's like, you know what? We all grew up differently. We all learned differently, but we're all here for the same purpose, for love and service. We all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want to be adored. So try and do that the best you can. Yeah, that's beautiful. Gorgeous. Thank you. It's great. Um, so where can we find you and how do we support you? The first thing you have to know is how to spell my last name, which is A-L-E-M as in Mary, B as in boy, I-K, JenniferAlembic.com is my website. Nice. And then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Jennifer Alembic Coaching. Wonderful. Awesome. Okay. We have one more question we'd like to ask our guests. Uh, as you know, our uh, podcast is Rise Up For You. So when you hear that, that term rise up for you, what does it mean to you? It means to me that we've got one shot at this life and we should make the most of it. I hope that we take everything as an opportunity and I look at everything as how much can I learn? How much can I grow? How much can I love? How much can I experience? Mm. And if I'm, if you're struggling with something, that there is an opportunity here. It's a learning opportunity. It's a growth opportunity. And to rise up means, like for me, it means fight for yourself. Fight for the best that you deserve because we all deserve the best. The best that life has to offer. And there's no reason that we can't all rise up and have it available to us. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That was great. And I so enjoyed our conversation today. And I know our audience did too. And I know it really, really served at a deeper level for some people. So thank you for that. And, and thank you for standing alongside us as we, um, you know, spread this message and help people grow and, uh, you know, stand alongside their journey to becoming their best self. So thank you so, so much for that. And I just can't wait to talk to you again. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity and keep up the good work. You guys are doing great. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.